I'm Katie. And I'm Rebecca. And this is... Chills. Thrills. And Kills Podcast. Podcast. (laughs) All right. So this is our first episode. So be nice. We've come a long way. (laughs) We're trying very hard. (laughs) Very hard. This is a little more difficult than it should be. But here we go. So, Katie, do you wanna do you wanna tell our listeners a little bit about how we met? Sure. So, if you're here, obviously you like true crime stories or paranormal stories. Hopefully, you like both. Um, there is a little podcast called "And That's Why We Drink." Both of us are part of that group as well as the Morbid group, and we met in one of those. Do you remember which one it was? We actually met in And That's Why We Drink, and I remember this because I wasn't listening to Morbid yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that makes sense. (laughs) Yes, but they are both lovely little gems of a show, and if you haven't heard them, you should go check them out because they're awesome. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely check them out. But, so, I'm actually in California, while Katie, you're in North Carolina, right? Yes. Yes. So there is a three hour time difference. So if any of you are wondering why we only do releases so frequently or we post things at weird times, that would be why. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not as easy as you would think it was. Three hours doesn't sound like a lot of time, but it definitely is, especially when we both work full both work full time jobs. That and one of us is a night owl despite her best efforts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm crazy and we'll be up until four in the morning and Katie will tell me to go to bed, but, you know, she's not my mom, so I do what I want. Well, I try, but whatever. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, should we uh, crack into it? I think we should. You go first. All right. So today I am starting us off with a sad story of a little bit of a murder. Ooh, a little bit of a murder. (laughs) Just. Just a little bit. (laughs) No, it's actually a pretty big case. It took 32 years for it to be solved. Um, So today I'm going to be talking about the case of Barbara or Barbie Blatnick. She was a 17-year-old Garfield Heights, Ohio native, known for being bubbly, free-spirited. She loved people, heavy metal music, makeup, dancing, basically your typical girl. Um, And she was last seen alive shortly after midnight on December 20th, 1987. Mm -hmm. Yes. So long, long, long time ago, I wasn't even born yet. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So she was standing in the kitchen on December 19th, speaking with her parents and her older sister, whose wedding she was actually going to be in shortly after this all happened, which is really sad. Um, So according to her sister Donna, she'd said that Barbie would be attending a party at a bike shop that evening. And if you're like me, you were thinking, wait, bicycles? What? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So I did a little bit more research because I was like, that's a really weird locale for partying. Um, They actually mean motorcycles. So the bike shop is called Motorcycle Specialties, and they were known for having parties somewhat regularly. Uh, The owner, as far as I'm aware, seems a little bit, I don't know, skeezy. (laughs) He would buy drugs and alcohol for those that would attend. 
So as you can imagine, the type of guys that hung out here weren't exactly the kind you'd ask to walk you home at night. Um, most had criminal records for things like assault, drug use, you know, all that fun stuff. Yeah, the, the good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> the good stuff. Um, that's someone you'd want to bring home to your parents, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, my favesies. I mean, I would, but for different reasons. <laughs> Um, so none of them actually had murder charges, though, so yay for them, I guess. Uh, so her sister tells her to be safe, and then Barbie leaves home for what would sadly be the last time. Um, a friend picked Barbie up from home at either 4 or 6.30 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, the discrepancy in time here is due to, uh, different reports as far as the internet, like, all the newspaper reports were just different. Um, so that would be why. From her house, she took a taxi to her friend. Uh, so her friend Phil's house. And then from there, they went to the bike shop. After growing tired of that party, her and her two girlfriends left and then went to a local bar that was known for serving minors. So I guess this town is just full of people who like to get underage people drunk comforting (laughs) yeah that that's uh that's exactly where I want to raise a family so bad (laughs) um so they spent some time here and then the three decided they were ready to leave I couldn't find much information about what really happened at the party but I guess that's not important um so Barbie asked her friends to drop her off at her on again off again boyfriend's house this would be Jerry The friends were hesitant and really did not want to for some reason, but Barbie was very headstrong and basically said, you're going to take me or else. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Yes. So uh, Jerry insists that he never saw or heard her that evening and had an alibi. I could not find what this alibi was, um, but it was backed up by his father, who has unknown ties to the Cleveland Police Department. Hmm, that's not suspicious. Not even a little bit. No, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> my first guess would be corruption and collusion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so towards what was presumably the end of her evening and approximately four hours after she left, Barbie calls her parents. She said that she was nearby. She'd be home soon. Um, And when she didn't return home that evening, her parents assumed she decided to stay at a friend's house. Uh, Her father, John, stated that she liked to party and have fun. Her friends crashed over here sometimes. Sometimes she crashed over there. So he wasn't too terribly concerned when she didn't show up. Yeah. Um, What? (laughs) Okay, first of all. I don't know about you, but if my kid was out and just didn't come home, I'm not going to assume they went anywhere. I'm going to be finding out exactly where they're at. (laughs) I mean, giving them the benefit of the doubt, though, this is like the 80s where cell phones aren't a thing. And And we have a special guest. (laughs) Yes, that would be my special cat, Tiger Lily, uh, who wants in my little closet. Um, (laughs) No, but so, you know, cell phones weren't really a thing yet. Um, I guess it was a little bit more common back then to just be like, yeah, she stayed at a friend's. Mm, Plus, I mean, if it was kind of common behavior for her, 
Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not judging. Anyways, (laughs) so unfortunately, tonight was not one of those nights where she stayed at a friend's house. Um, So Barbie was last seen near Warner Road and Grand Division Avenue shortly after midnight on December 20th, 1987. So, yeah, five days before Christmas. That's super sad. Yeah, it's the best time to have a kid go missing. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Dark humor, one less present to buy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyways. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm going to hell. I know it. It's fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Later that morning, her body was found naked, save for only her class ring. She'd been strangled and sexually assaulted. She was found in a wooded area not far off from the road near the Blossom Music Center in Cuyahoga Falls, which is a pretty large music venue, pretty popular. Now, here's where things got a little weird for me, and I'm sure you will see it the same way, Katie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so the road that she was found on was largely unused and quite overgrown due to new, newer roads being put in, which made this road basically useless, obsolete. Uh, this road's overgrown and unnecessary, and yet she was found with within hours of being left there because they basically were like, oh, she's five feet in from the road. That's fine. Yeah, because that's exactly where you want to leave a body visible. Yeah, no. that. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, it gets weirder. So this road <laughs> is about 30 miles or 48 kilometers away from where she was last seen. So they drove her. 30 miles away just to dump her next to a road five feet in a wouldn't you think they would just find somewhere closer and take her further in to said place like this logic doesn't make sense to me not even a little bit (laughs) (laughs) so um maps of the area show that this road goes on for quite a ways and as this was the middle of winter if whoever did this drove her slightly further in one snowfall could have prevented her being found until at least spring Mm -hmm. so it just begs the question why yeah an officer on the case said that there was no attempt to conceal the body and that had that it had to be a conscious decision for the body to be found immediately Uh, So the morning of December 20th went on as normal for Barbara's family. Donna and her mother, Teresa, were actually out Christmas shopping that morning. Um, I remember Donna said that her uh, that she'd actually bought her sister a blow dryer for Christmas. Uh, Well, I mean, it was the 80s. It was the 80s. And (laughs) and Barbara did have some lovely hair that she was rocking. So. So that was necessary. Yes, a blow dryer was a very good gift. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the entire time they were out Christmas shopping, uh, their mother, Teresa, just kept saying that something feels weird, something's wrong. And at the same time, the police were showing up at their front door where the father, John, answers. The police had a photo of Barbara and were asking questions about the prior evening. At this time... No, no missing persons report had been filed because, again, crashing at a friend's house was somewhat normal for her. Um, so at this time, you know, he goes and he actually has to identify her body alone 
while Yikes. yeah while his wife and other daughter are completely unaware and are christmas shopping oh my god yeah because you can't just pick up the phone and call them and be like hey you need to come home right now yeah because there's no cell phones yeah. oh my the god the whole thing's just really 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 awful yeah that's like gut wrenching gut wrenching i couldn't i couldn't imagine and it just makes it worse because it was unsolved for 32 years. Yeah. So, despite being unsolved for 32 years, there were some theories, uh, three to be exact. Theory one was that someone close to Barbara did this, and for a while, people thought it had been her on-again, off-again boyfriend, Jerry. Good old Jerry. Um, however, as previously stated, he had an alibi. Uh, theory two was that it was someone at the edge of her social circles. So someone that she thought she knew, but didn't really. And again, she hung out at that CD biker shop. So with a bunch of, with a bunch of not so, not so great guys. Mm. Uh, so that was, again, another possible, another possible thought. And then theory three, <laughs> you okay over there? Yeah, uh, my whole mic just kind of fell in my lap. (laughs) (laughs) All right, working out the kinks. I like it. Episode one, everybody. (laughs) Okay, okay, I think I'm good. (laughs) All right, just check in. I can't see you, so I wasn't sure. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so theory three was that there was a serial killer in their midst. There was some evidence to, rep- to support this, as four other girls had been murdered in the area, and all of these cases were also unsolved. Mm-hmm. Yes, I couldn't find which cases they were referring to, unfortunately, because obviously I was very curious, but no go, no dice. That's that's always fun. You know, let's mention in this, this uh, pretty well-known case that there's other people missing but let's not name them <laughs> no why it's fine we're talking yeah. about this girl. <laughs> the others don't matter right now it's okay <laughs> all right so for 32 years all questions regarding who could have done this to barbie have gone unanswered until now and by now i mean literally this month you guys may 6th James Zastonic, who's now 67 years old, has been arrested and charged with first-degree murder. Good. They found, I mean, at least they found someone. (laughs) Yes. I, like, I'm actually really, really happy just because it's, like, it's time. Time's up, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, most definitely. I think time's been up for, I don't know, I'd say 31 years. (laughs) I'd say 32, even. Just (laughs) don't do it. (laughs) Uh, so he was found largely due to Zana's and Ath's constant efforts to keep her sister's case alive, as well as the efforts made by James Renner, the Porchlight Project, and Colleen Fitzpatrick and her team at Identifinders International. Now, Renner is actually a well-known author and investigative journalist who founded the Porchlight Project only nine months ago. Oh, Yeah, so this is really, really new. Um, His goal was to find and provide funding for cold cases requiring investigative services and DNA testing. So this case was Porchlight's first, and they funded the DNA testing done by Colleen Fitzpatrick and her team at Identifinders International. And 
Fun fact for you. This is the same team that cracked the DNA evidence leading to the arrest of the Golden State Killer. Yes! I was so right? happy when they got that. Oh my god, I was so uh, happy. Yes. <laughs> that, just like, when I read that on this case, chills down my spine. Colleen Fitzpatrick and her team are just badasses, and I love them. Bad bitches. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, so the DNA tests that were done utilized the DNA evidence taken from underneath Barbara's fingernails. She had actually clawed the ever-living shit out of this guy. Good. Fucker. (laughs) (laughs) So the evidence had both Barbara's and the assailant's DNAs mixed. It was like 40% hers and then 60% James's. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, So after extensive efforts, they were able to marker by marker separate Barbara's DNA from his and create a DNA profile, which is intense. Yeah, and that's super dedication. Like, that's just, that's great. (laughs) Really? So, like, I doubt she'll ever listen to this, but Colleen, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. We are not worthy. (laughs) I don't, I don't think anybody's worthy. (laughs) No. (laughs) All right, so through this process, they were able to narrow their search down to James Astonic and his three brothers, because he has three brothers. Yeah, because, you know, one isn't enough. One of them isn't enough out in the world, but okay. Nope. So detectives then focused their attention on James due to the proximity of his workplace. His workplace was about, I think it said an eighth of a mile from where she was last seen. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope, but he was never a suspect. Wow. Wow. So, continuing on, that'll be that'll be more fucked up in a minute. Don't worry. <laughs> Great. Looking forward to it. <laughs> yes. Me too. I love when things get worse. Uh, <laughs> that's that's what I always say. It's just I can't wait until this gets worse. Uh <laughs> They were able to find this family's DNA because two of his three brothers have been in prison charged with sex crimes. Oh, Mm. my God. What a shocker. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I was only able to find information on one of the brothers, Robert, who was charged with two counts of gross sexual imposition and one count of abduction in December of 2013, also in Cuyahoga Falls. Sensing a trend? Yeah, just a little. Mm -hmm. A third brother went missing on December 19th, 2018. So if that sounds slightly familiar, that's because that's the anniversary of Barbara's murder. Wow. Wow. The balls on this guy, though? Like, come on now. Yeah. Any other day. (laughs) Yeah. So his brother Benton went missing at 59 years old and is believed to have walked away from his home never to return. Um, He suffers from neuropathy, which causes severe mobility issues, Mm -hmm. which causes me to question how he got far enough to still be missing. Yeah, that doesn't make much sense like that because if they have a condition like that they're going to be on a crap ton of medication they're going to need a lot of medical attention you Mm -hmm. don't just disappear (laughs) yeah um are you also thinking that perhaps an angry brother picked him up maybe yeah especially uh the date come on now yeah (laughs) 
So this kind of lends credence to one of my theories, which I will get into just a titch bit later. <laughs> um, so Benton left behind his eyeglasses, wallet, money, keys, and medications, including his very necessary seizure medication, taking only his ID. Weird. What? Uh... Yeah, I got nothing for that one. What? Yeah, yeah. so he remains missing to this day. Yeah, missing. Yes, missing. Um, so, back to, back to James. Lieutenant Chris Norfolk, who was somebody working on the case, was unwilling to state whether or not James had previously been a suspect in this case. He did, however, state that James had once been arrested in July 1984, for exposing himself to two women. Now, I find this particularly interesting because information that I found on Ancestry.com tells me that he divorced from his wife just one year prior. What? <laughs> does it does it sound like he's maybe escalating just this a little guy bit? is all over the place. What? Oh my god. Obviously, yeah. absolutely no respect for women. <laughs> None. So 1984, he is divorced. Then, or sorry, I think I read that wrong. Yeah, so 1983, he's divorced. Then 1984 exposes himself to two women. And then 1987, assaults and murders a girl. Wow. that That's how you make friends. That's it. Is that why I don't have any of those? Am yeah. I, I'm doing it wrong? Yeah, we, we're, I think we're on to something. Okay, good. I, I've learned my lesson. I know where to go from here. Thank you, Katie. So look forward to a mini-series, guys. <laughs> I, will, I will thank you in, in my credit. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So at the time of Barbie's death, as previously stated, Zastonic's place of work was a factory only one-eighth of a mile from where she was last seen. Which leads investigators to believe that this was possibly a crime of opportunity or a possible social link, as was previously considered. So, back to my theory. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this is all alleged. I have no evidence to substantiate any of this. And please, 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 I cannot stress this enough. Do not attack the families. They are also suffering. Uh, they, This guy had kids. He has grandkids. And that's a hard knock. Yeah, don't. It's not their fault, you know, who they're related to. We all have some shithead in our family. Theirs may just be a little worse than others. So, you know, it's not their fault. I think being related to him is definitely punishment enough. I have to agree on that front. Um, but, yeah, they're actually receiving quite a bit of hate mail. And I just don't think that's okay. So, please know these are just my inferences it has no substantiation based in fact at all so my theory is that both james and benton carried out the crime james felt no remorse however benton you know he was like okay can we at least drop the body somewhere where the family can find her so you know they know what's happening so they're not constantly just wondering where is my daughter 
Um, which would explain why she was only dropped like five feet in from a very busy road instead of driving her slightly back, letting her be covered by snowfall, maybe waiting it out till spring. <laughs> yeah, that does make sense. Then add in the fact that he that Benton is currently missing, disappeared on like to the date of her death. And then throw in the words said by her friends, which was that Barbie was a fighter and it would take more than one person to take her down. Defensive wounds on her arms do show that she did not go down without a fight. Good. Great. <laughs> yes. So fuck that guy. Yeah. I hope he has like permanent severe scarring from her. <laughs> that would be nice. Um, mm-hmm. So that was basically my theory. Um, do you have any any addition, any thoughts? Um, I do agree with your theory. Um, it does make sense. One, because, well, how big is this guy? Like, have you seen a picture of him? Is he a larger guy? Honestly, he looks pretty average. Um, from what I've seen, I mean, he is 67 now. I haven't seen a photo of him when he was younger. Mm-hmm. But he does, like, he looks pretty average. I mean, it would also make sense. Also that he's not aging well, though, too. So there is that. <laughs> he probably looks like a troll because he definitely sounds like one. But um, I think I definitely agree with your theory. Just because um, if she fought like that and it was only one person, maybe she could have gotten away. But if there were two of them... Even if she was fighting like hell, you know, two grown men versus this, what, 17-year-old yeah, girl. And I do believe if he was acting alone, he maybe even would have buried her body just to get rid of it. Because to me, it doesn't sound like this guy has much of a conscience. So. No, and you'll figure <laughs> out how little of a conscience he has in just a second. Oh, um, God. <laughs> Yeah, so at his arraignment, which was done via video chat, because how weird is COVID-19, you guys, um, (laughs) Zostanik actually pled not guilty, and Bond was set at $1 million. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Surprise, not guilty. Um, He's also being looked at for another unnamed cold case from 10 years prior that has ties to this case. Again, I could not find anything on what case they're talking about, so TBD. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe an update. (laughs) Maybe an update, but it does say, it did state that there was a similar MO, so sexual assault, strangling, etc. Right. Uh, The case is obviously still ongoing, but it's proof that even when you think you got away with it, you didn't. A post on Justice for Barbara Blatnick's Facebook aptly said in November of 2019, we know you've been reading this and they'll be knocking on your door soon. You can count on it. And look how right she was. Oh, chills. I know. As our favorite podcast host, Emma and Christine, would say, goose cam. Goose cam, (laughs) for real. So Donna Zanath actually marked the arrest by visiting the area where Barbara was found and leaving behind a memorial in the form of flowers, a butterfly sun catcher, and several pinwheels. She says that catching her sister's killer doesn't mean closure, but that she and her family can begin to move forward with their lives. 
Hopefully this case moves forward as quickly as possible and allows for them to do that. Uh, now I'm just going to cite my sources, which are Cleve Scene, news articles from way back in the day, uh, Justice for Barbara Blatnick's Facebook page, True Crime Garage, Crawl Space Podcast, charlieproject.org, Beacon Journal, Oxygen, Cleveland 19, and Ancestry.com. Woo! Way to be professional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't want to get sued. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, this especially since this is just kind of starting, so if you could just uh, not, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, let's, let's not. But I'm excited. Yeah. Tell me scary stories. Hey, Rebecca, guess what? What? I got my heathen hippo candle in the mail today. Really? So did I. Yeah, so I got the fireside scent, and it is literally my favorite thing in the world right now. I got my white tea and fig scent, and same. Yeah, they're amazing. Not to mention, our cute little logo looks so good on the front of this candle. I 100% agree, and I just, I don't know. I want to send one to everyone. (laughs) Same. They're super affordable. They're natural because they're made out of soy. And because they're made out of soy and they're natural, they burn evenly. There's no lingering smoky smell. And they even use my favorite wood wicks. Yeah, so that nice little crackle. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Especially with Fireside, I imagine that would be so nice. Yeah, it's literally like I'm sitting next to a campfire in my cramped little studio. It's perfect. (laughs) I love it. So, guys, if you want one, there are nine fragrances, five customizable font options, or you can get some of their really fun standard label options. They have some Joe Exotic ones that are calling my name. So, if you want to buy some of these adorable, affordable candles, go to Heathen Hippo on Etsy. And you can use our little code, CTKPOD, and save 10%. Yeah, so uh, literally not seeing any reason you shouldn't do that. So head on over right now. Like, right now. Right now, do it. (laughs) Okay, my story is on Hotel Del Sato. Um, This is located in Bogota, Colombia, and I say it that way because I have a friend from Colombia, and if I say Colombia, which is how it normally comes out, uh, I think she would disown me, so uh, don't come for me. (laughs) I would have said it wrong, so thank you for the information. (laughs) I did for years, and then I got this death stare, so shout out to Luisa. You taught me well. All right, so this hotel was built in 1923 by Carlos Arturo Tapias. The hotel quickly became one of the most popular tourist spots in... Hold on, I just lost my spot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Quickly became one of the most popular tourist spots in Bogota, Colombia. But that's not where, like, the history behind the land came in. The history actually started way back in 1502. Oh, I definitely wasn't born then. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Me neither. I mean, not too far from that, but I wasn't born in 1502. So, in 1502, the Spanish Inquisition entered Colombia, more specifically targeting the Musca and their culture, trying to spread Catholicism. 
Ooh, yay, nothing bad came from that. Never. Spreading religion is the best thing to do, duh. Ugh, God, thank you for enlightening me. Especially when it comes to murdering thousands of people to get it done. I mean, whatever it takes, right? Absolutely. Perseverance. That's my motto. Okay. (laughs) So, the Musca are an indigenous tribe in Colombia that formed the Musca Confederation to fight the Spanish conquistadors. Not all of the people wanted to fight, obviously. Um, many of them attempted to escape by running to the Takendama Falls, which is right across from where this hotel would eventually be built. So they were they believed that in this area is where their gods created and destroyed humanity. So they created the land um, and then they got rid of the bad stuff, I guess you could say. Um, but that's where they decided on people's fates. That's what they believed. All so, right. Interesting. Yeah. So these people believed that if they leapt off the cliff, that their gods would give them wings like eagles and allow them to escape slavery. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that kind of no. grabbed me by the gut just because all I could think about was all these people, like, fleeing for their lives. <sighs> But anyway, I feel like a bad person because like absolutely that's heartbreaking, but all I can picture in my mind is this stupid Netflix show called Brickleberry <laughs> where there's an episode where the main guy Woody joins a cult. Oh god. <laughs> and so his girlfriend convinces him that if he jumps off this cliff, they'll be taken to the spaceship in the sky where they can eat giant shrimp and have orgies forever. And oh, his, my God. <laughs> I know. And so his little talking bear comes in on a jetpack and saves him at the last minute. And then it turns out that it was real. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so that is all that's going through my head right now. So I swear I'm not super fucked up, but I'm. that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah, I kind of pictured a family guy making an episode of this and, like, <laughs> actually giving the people wings you know that's the animation style that's in my head so I could totally see that happening yeah but they'd have to throw in Red Bull right because Red Bull absolutely absolutely sponsor me anyway (laughs) so in all actuality of course they ended up falling 515 feet to their death nobody's surviving that fall obviously that's funny okay continue yeah so literally hundreds of them jumped so because of this, it is believed that they cursed the land so that anyone who visited the falls would succumb to an overwhelming feeling of dread and jump do- joining their ancestors. Oh. Which, I mean, I'm sorry, but you don't fuck with natives' curses. You don't fuck with cursed land. No, don't do it. Just don't fuck with it. Nothing good ever comes out of that. No, and my story next week will also make that ring very true (laughs) I mean come on now just just leave it alone okay leave it alone (laughs) so many years went by and countless suicides when I say countless I mean so many to the point they stopped recording these deaths okay it was thousands and they it became known as the Takadama jump so they gave it a name and everything because there were so many people doing it so they just stopped recording the names That's really awful. 
So when Tapius came across the spot where so many had ended their lives and decided to build an estate, he decided to build an estate across from the falls. Because, I mean, what else would you do on the sacred land, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, what better view when you wake up in the morning in your hotel room than somebody jumping off a Right. Come on now. Hello. So it was overlooking the Bogota River, which is beautiful. So you've got these huge waterfalls, this nice river. It's on like a nice little cliff. I'll include a lot of pictures of um, him and the land and the hotel itself on our Instagram. So be sure to check that out as well. So Tapias decided his massive estate was too grand to not share. And he decided to have an extravagant party that ended up lasting two years. (laughs) What the... Yeah. What? They I get tired of a party after two minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two, two years? years? Yeah. So basically, he invited local celebrities, any celebrities that he could reach out to, politicians, and he would bring them all in on, like, a private train. Because, you know, j- private jets weren't a thing back then. <laughs> right. I was like, private train? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he was bringing uh, okay. these people in and out on a private train. Once they arrived at the estate, because at this time it was not quite a hotel, it was in the process, and this is why he was bringing all these people in, just to kind of see what everybody thought he could gauge, like, um, the interest, you know, and how interested people were in coming back, because you don't really want to build a hotel if you don't have a client base to show it off to. Yeah, so instead of a one-day soft opening, he decided to just soft open for two years. Got it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. two years. (laughs) So he invited all of these people to his estate where, of course, they indulged in only the best food, alcohol, and drugs. Lots Mm -hmm. of drugs, all the drugs, all of it. Okay. So as the party went on, people, of course, were getting fucked up out of their minds, drunk, high, whatever, too full. (laughs) And many of them would stumble out to the cliff to get a better look at the falls and the river. And guess what happens when you stumble out to a cliff? Drunk out of your mind. Um, you see some really pretty sights, you have a good laugh, and you go to bed? Kinda. <laughs> you, uh, you slip off the edge, you see the really pretty waterfall on the way down, and once you hit the bottom, you're asleep, so you almost yeah, got it. Yeah, that's what I said, you just sleep forever, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh. many of, many people actually ended up slipping and falling to their death there. Um, most of them were accidental, they did say there were a few that they felt were on purpose, but, you know, whatever. Were these so, recorded? No. And that really surprised me because it said they were local celebrities and politicians. And you would think that those deaths would be recorded. But from what I could find, a lot of the families didn't want to associate their family members with this, um, like this. Suicide cliff? What you say? Yeah, suicide cliff. Stigma. They don't want to associate their family members with the stigma of the land or whatever. They're trying to keep people away from it. And if you, the more well-known people you add, you know, to this suicide I mean, I cliff. <laughs> yeah. So they just stopped keeping a list. So in October of 1929, the Great Depression struck the tourist trade. Vacation and travel expenditures fell from million to $444 million, which in today's money would equal $13 billion down to $7 billion, which is an inflation rate of 1,400%. 
Yeah, so of course, this was a death sentence for the estate. It wasn't until the 1950s that the hotel was set to be renovated into an 18-story hotel because, you know, five stories wasn't enough. Apparently not. Yeah. The blueprints were all drawn. Um, Two men came in. These men weren't named either, which I'm guessing their fate is why they weren't named. (laughs) Great. Bring it on. Right. They themselves drew up the blueprints, you know, made all of these plans and decided to start on the work themselves. This did not last very long. Mm -hmm. Many sources say that the whispers from the spirits of the Muska drove the two men mad. One was committed to a hospital and the other one jumped to his death. Upon returning from the hospital, the first man was supposedly cured from his madness and when he came to find that his friend had jumped to his death, he slit his throat. Hmm, that's a that's a cozy way to go. Yeah, that takes some balls. Not me, couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So, he's said to be the most malevolent spirit on the property. He's said to often be spotted on the first floor with no head. Many toward- Yeah, no head. Come on now. We see that every day, duh. <laughs> So many tour groups have said he has hooven feet and beady red spots where his eyes should be, which is exactly what I want to see when I'm trying to look at these beautiful waterfalls. But, you know, I digress. You don't find that handsome? Oh, I don't think so. Maybe that's your thing, but I'll let you have that. (laughs) (laughs) So he will apparently often reach out and move items, scratch victims choke victims and charge at them out of nowhere oh yeah another spirit that has been documented on the fifth floor is a female she can be seen looking out of a window and if you spot her she just vanishes disappears you don't see her anywhere else in the hotel on the property just in a fifth floor window and like i said once you see her apparently she doesn't want to be seen so she just disappears but i hate that more than anything because that's just like i want you to see me but then i want to disappear so that you're afraid yeah which (laughs) yeah So, in the early 90s, the hotel was shut down completely due to the human waste that polluted the Bogota River. This apparently was so bad that not a single species of animal can survive in this part of the river. Not a single species. Okay, I'm sorry, but human waste meaning, like, decomposing bodies or human waste, like, sewage? Both. So, Mm, yummy. Yeah, when all of this was going on, of course, there was an influx of tourists to see the property. I mean, who doesn't? Anytime I go anywhere, the first thing I look up is the hauntings in the area. I'm just that kind of person. I assume everyone does that. I could be wrong. (laughs) But so, yeah, um, of course, the bodies that were there, because, I mean, there's rocks and cliffs. Not all of them made it to the water. There were bodies scattered all over the rocks and then the human waste. So all of that combined made a nice little mm. aroma for the tourists. Yum, human soup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the reports of the apparitions and the strange noises coming from the hotel didn't help the tourist decline either. One Really? Yeah. One tour group bribed a local to take them to the hotel for a paranormal investigation. Terrified, the guide at first refused to go anywhere near the property. He showed them where it was, but he was just like, nah, I'm good. 
Well, they got to talking to him and, you know, we're able to finally get him to go to the first floor with them. Members of the group reported smelling sulfur, hearing low growls coming from the first floor. The group went down to the first floor and watched a crucifix completely split in half and splinter all over the floor. Mm -hmm. As this happened, their tour guide hit the ground clutching his chest. God damn it, they couldn't just leave the poor tour guide alone. He was just trying to do his job. Right. They then all started to smell sulfur and saw two small red spots coming from a corner. As the tour guide screamed in agony, he passed away on the spot. He did not get paid enough to put up with that shit. I have worked retail, I know. From what I read, they only gave him like $200. And yeah, so that, I mean, that's just... Anyway. <laughs> oh, poor baby. Yeah. So a separate group at a separate time took a break on the way to the hotel to admire the views of the falls. One tourist ended up shoving another over the cliff. But as that tourist was going down, the girl who pushed him was wearing like a camera and it had a strap on it. So he grabbed the strap and pulled her down with them. So they both fell and died. Instant karma. Good. Yeah. So the locals warn tourists about the many suicides that have taken place at the falls. The number of suicides are in the thousand. People have stopped recording them and trying to, and they always try to discourage anybody who wants to visit the area, local, tourist, whatever. They don't want anybody up there. So it's said that if you're not in a good place mentally, that you shouldn't visit because the whispers of the people will remind you of any turmoil in your life, talking you into taking the Takendama jump, as it is now called because of the countless suicides that happen every year. Over the years, moisture began to rot the building. In 2013, the National University of Columbia decided they were going to turn it into a biodiversity and cultural culture (laughs) museum. And hauntings are still reported every day. Smells, other than the decomposing bodies and the human waste, (laughs) are still reported as coming from the hotel. They still see apparitions. They still see sounds. People say when you go into the hotel, well, the museum now, that the air is really heavy. The energy is just kind of off. It's just not a good time. So that is Hotel Del Sato. And my sources are BoredomTheory.com, History101.com, Wikipedia, of course, and Watch JoJo on YouTube. So don't sue me. (laughs) I hated all of that. Yeah, that uh, haunted hotels isn't really anything that I've ever messed with. It's just so much ground to cover. Like, you you never really know unless you're familiar with the hotel hotel you don't really know where these sounds are coming from you don't know if the building is structurally sound you don't know how long it's been sitting there so i'm just gonna pass on the haunted hotels i think yeah did the whispering give you like the suicide forest vibes i'm not gonna try and say the name because i can't (laughs) so most of the articles i read definitely compared the two um as I, I guess it would pretty much be the same because they're not 
trying to talk you out of it, of course. They're definitely trying to talk you into it. But I did read a couple of tourists that, of course, didn't jump because they were able to report their experiences, that they would be very specific on things that had happened in their life. Like if you had just lost a loved one, they would be like, such and such misses you. You can see them again if you come with me. Or um, like say you had gotten divorced, they'll be like, she never loved you. She never wanted you, blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, like the worst things they could possibly say to you apparently is what they bring. Yeah, the loved ones just hit me in the feels. It has been a rough two years. Yeah, I could, I, so I I try to think that I'm mentally stable for the most part, but if someone, if I was stuck in an area and an area I was familiar with and people just started saying all these things to me, I don't know how I would react. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and guess and say not well. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I would jump, but I do think I would have a severe mental breakdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one, yep, that one was kind of, kind of (laughs) heavy. So on that note, Katie, (laughs) is there anything this week that chilled, thrilled, or killed you? Yes. (laughs) So, um, my thrills would be, which you already know about this, but this past week I was sitting, this actually thrilled and chilled me. And almost killed me. (laughs) I was sitting at work. And as many of you know, we're going through this whole COVID thing. Everything's been shut down. I don't really know about other states, but North Carolina has just recently opened up like uh, phase one, quote unquote. Um, So I work retail and our stores are opening slowly but surely. So I was in my store and I was there by myself. We were not open at that moment. And I was sitting, just playing on my phone or whatever, taking a break. And I'm just talking about how I need new glasses. And all of a sudden, the lights go out. I completely forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Out of nowhere. Just, and you can hear the click. Maybe I'll put the video on our Instagram. You can hear the click. And, of course, I have that stupid big mouth filter on. So, all you see are my big-ass eyes, like, bug out. And then I turn it off. (laughs) And then uh, dealing with the general public this week is what's going to kill me. So, yeah. What about you? What are your chills, thrills, or kills? Well, for starters, I'm just going to say I do not envy you. For having to deal with the general public again this week. Yeah, I know you're jealous. You're jealous. It's okay. I'm so jealous as I sit from home working nonstop on my computer, not leaving my house. Yeah, rub it in just a little more. <laughs> okay, let me let me fly over there and then I'll I'll do all the rubbing. Um, okay. <laughs> As for what chilled, thrilled, or killed me, I think trying to get this recording out has absolutely killed me. Oh, yeah. Uh, For those of you that aren't on our Facebook group, Katie and I actually recorded two days ago, and the program that we were using does not like us, so we had to re-record, which means she told a completely different story than the one she originally told, and I added so many details to mine that it was like a completely different story. 
And yeah. I'm doing all of this while working a full-time job. And she is doing all of this working a full-time job. Mm-hmm. So there was that. And then there's also, when we were recording, uh, completely chilled me. Katie just tells me, by the way, there's random laughter in the background of our recording. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so I haven't <laughs> talked to you, like, voice to voice since that happened. So I can tell you exactly what I heard. Oh, God. Yes, please. Okay, so at this point, so the room I'm in is a very small room. It's not as small as your room, but a, a <laughs> small room. <laughs> so Yeah, there's... I'm literally recording in a closet, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and my room may be twice the size of hers, but that's not saying much. So the room I'm in, there's a fan directly above me, and it's like an older, my house was built in the 60s, so you cannot turn the fan on and off without turning the light on and off. So I flipped the whole thing off because I was fucking freezing. (laughs) So we're trying to play around with this program and record, and every time we record a little snippet, we would play it back just to make sure everything was going okay or whatever. Well, of course, we record the big long what 38 minute (laughs) episode and it goes away yeah we made sure it was much longer for you guys this time don't worry yeah (laughs) so I go to play it back and I hear myself laugh but I can only hear myself talking so let me make that clear first I can only hear my side of the audio which is why we didn't publish this episode because Rebecca was nowhere to be found so I'm listening to the playback and Rebecca must just be hilarious because I'm laughing to the point where I'm almost (laughs) snorting. And while I'm laughing, I hear. (laughs) Oh, my God. No. What? It sounded like that. I didn't hear it once. So I heard that and then I heard it again. But it was more like a whisper giggle and it was further away. So I deleted that immediately. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to throw up. It was really creepy. And I kind of wish I would have just saved that little bit so that we could post it because it was, but I mean, this is a story for another day, but my house is super haunted, like super haunted. (laughs) Also same, but probably not as much because I don't hear Brandon fucking laughing. Oh, we hear that like in the middle of the night when we're trying to go to bed, we'll hear random laughing or little footsteps down the hallway. Like it, it shit's, she gets real, real over here. <laughs> no, thank you. I think we will hear more of those stories during like a listener episode, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Or we could do <sighs> some kind of personal mini or something like that, but we'll figure it out and we'll definitely be telling you guys our personal stories because I, I got some good ones. I know Rebecca's got some good ones. So you guys. Yeah, I had a portal in my childhood house, you guys, and I need somebody to hear about it. And I can't wait to hear about <laughs> that. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about wraps it. So if you like us, maybe even love us, feel free to find us on Facebook. At CTK Podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, find us on Instagram at CTK Pod. And follow us on Twitter at, at CTK Pod. Or if you have an interesting story, just want to tell us how much you love hearing our lovely voices, you can send us an email at chillsthrillsandkills at gmail.com. 
All right. We hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Keep a lookout for us. We'll be putting out much more content. And until next time. See you soon. Bye. Bye.